Hello. I'm Doctor Who. Welcome to TARDIS Talk, where each week we'll be taking you through our sorted thoughts and feelings on a series from the revived era of Doctor Who. This week we say hello to new faces in Bill and Nardole, and pay one more visit to the 12th Doctor in 2017's Series 10. I'm Chris, and with me as per usual is Cook and Matt. Howdy howdy. Hello. Hello. I should point out as well, we're actually watching, or we watched this week, World Enough in Time, and Time, rather. That is a weird f- title, isn't it, for, <laughs> for an episode. Yeah. I don't get the don't significance worry, of it. No, I don't either. I was trying to work I'm it out. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I see it thinking I'm the only one who doesn't get the title. Poem. It, possibly. I'm going to very, very quickly Google on my phone. Talk between yourselves while I'm doing that. Well, I do enough. think it's a poem. It's also an, a, a title of some other Doctor Who. It is a poem. A... To his coy mistress. Uh, yeah, no. I that's that's why. Uh, to his coy mistress. Uh, mistress, yeah. Um, yeah, so A World Enough in Time uh, is what, aka Genesis of the Cybermen um, is what we're talking about here, really. Um, so, this is Peter Capaldi's final season. We've got a couple of new faces aboard the TARDIS in Bill and Nardole, played by Pearl Mackey and uh, Matt Lucas. And kind of technically, Missy is a companion at this point. Um, Missy, aka the Master, who I suppose in some respects has been a companion of the Doctor's. Well, the Twelfth Doctors, hasn't she really? She's been a very consistent figure, do we think? Yeah, so far in yeah. like, the, the run? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Most, probably more. I don't know how often Ainley appeared in the classics, but I think Missy's tied in a lot more than... That's a fair point. I, yeah, I never compared the two, because Ainley did kind of clock in with Davison quite a bit. Um, yeah, I think you're right about that. Although when I think of Pete Capaldi... Uh, well, the Twelfth Doctor, I always think of um, Missy. Literally, the associations there and then straight away, because she's been in every series that he was in, hasn't she? Yeah. Eight, nine, and ten. Yeah, so obviously the concept of this, basically, this episode is the Doctor wants to prove to Nardol and Bill, um, and himself by the sounds of it, that he can change Missy and make her a better person. Um, so they go off on an adventure, and literally within about two minutes of landing uh, Bill gets a hole in her chest the size of a football it's even (laughs) worse isn't it yeah but it's even worse isn't it because then we jump back to that whole pre-bit where the doctor's trying to convince them to try out this exercise with her and it's again not even the whole don't get me killed bit that's fine I can almost let that go because it's just a line you know the thing but he sat there with his mate having dinner talking about this situation which where she is saying this person scares me. I am scared. And he still does it anyway? Yeah. He is a, smidge a bit reckless. of a dark moment. Smidge reckless. It's just a dick move, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's not just, it's not just a case of... Oh, record. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's not just a case of, oh, yeah, I'll do it. You've literally sat next to your mate who's going, I'm terrified. I'm scared of doing this. Oh, well, come on, you'll be fine. <laughs> but also, it's like, promise you won't get me killed. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a fair point in that respect, though. Humans are pretty weak compared to Time Lords, who seem pretty yeah, invincible was... at this point. He seems to be obsessed with his uh, duty of care over Clara for the last <laughs> God knows how long. Well, no, he doesn't give a shit over someone he probably actually does have a duty of care over <laughs> because he's a fucking professor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a very good point, actually. I mean, I think, like, um, it, it's a very weird dynamic, the three of them excluding Missy, the three of them have got at this point, isn't it? Because, like, Nardole is kind of like the henpecking wife, to some extent. 
he's always trying to stop the doctor and keep him out of trouble and the doctor is almost like the bad influence on bill in some respects i think yeah so maybe maybe the point that you two are making is a valid point maybe the doctor's just kind of reckless at this point and it ends up i can't remember what happens next because obviously we've just what at the end of this the end of the episode is we're jumping about again here but the end of the episode is um the doctor finding out that um john sims master is back so harold saxon's master is back and bill has been fully converted into a mondasian cyberman um and then and then the next step episode i can't remember what happens well it's a moffat finale so it's completely the opposite of what you expect to happen it doesn't it start off in a barn yeah the, it's in the it's in one of the floors that's like above the one they're on and it's yeah. a, just a farm all right so the, the the concept of the story is that there's this gigantic colony ship which is stuck on the event horizon of a black hole so the black hole side of the ship is moving slower than the arse end of the ship we'll call it and then the, because there's so many floors in between they're effectively kind of like cities it's quite kind of like high fantasy in a way isn't it you've got kind That's of like the proper sci-fi concept yeah i, I really thing. enjoyed it get that often in doctor who anyway. no, I really yeah, enjoyed that. and i really enjoyed the fact that we got something a bit more again a bit more side you know again it's not on earth it's all galaxy related and it's a bit of a like you said uh a sci-fi concept but then we went straight back in with um how uh, i and i don't know what the diverse numbers of it would be but 20 humans being able to create an entire lineage seems <laughs> a little bit too much i know i know i mean i think it was 50 so i mean yeah, but 20 went down and never came back was the first group wasn't where it? where did where did blue man group come from well, because if he's not Mondasian, say, where is, where's he from? Exactly what I was going to point out. <laughs> Who the hell is this? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Isn't it in the next episode alluded? No, no. I was going to say, isn't it alluded to that he boarded the ship at some point? But no, he didn't, did he? They are definitely... I don't know. Maybe the blueness just evolved out of them. <laughs> Over the generations. So that's all they I were whitewashed, of. basically, is what you're saying. Yeah. Mondasian. <laughs> mm, kind of awkward, <laughs> given the... Yeah, given... <laughs> Hmm. Everything. Moving on with from that topic, um, yeah, a, a really, really clever concept, um, and it's. I think it would have been. I don't know whether or not they wanted to do this for budgetary reasons; they couldn't do it. But I think it would have been clever to have the arse end of the ship um, more uh, primal, more kind of like um, unevolved almost like cavemen, and then the further up the ship you go towards the black hole, or whichever way around it is, I don't know the bloody physics of it, it confuses shit out of me. Whichever way around you go, basically, they get more advanced as you go further up, technologically speaking. If that makes sense. Why? I just think it'd be a cool concept. He, he got quite advanced, sort of like at the once... Shut up, never mind. Anyway, it was an idea that I had. <laughs> clearly didn't work. I, 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 I think <laughs> I know what you're trying to say. But I think what they've done quite well here is when they go down again to the bottom level and it's all industrial and the problem they present again, it's the it's not like planet Earth where if you run out resources in one area you can move on to another. What they yeah. have on that ship is extremely finite. Yeah, I mean, and again, this... that whole sort of steampunk um, 
smoke every, this, you know the air yeah. is poisoned at that point it fits a very nice theme I mean th- there's an elephant in the room and we'll address it in a bit it's to do with the genesis of the Cybermen conflicting story you know with with the 10th planet and all that business we'll come back to that later um, you're right I love the kind of steampunkishness of it obviously we had we, we had a parallel world genesis of the Cybermen back in Age of Steel in series 2 um, and Rise of the Cybermen and this is kind of like uh, ordaining itself as like a the officialized canonical genesis to a degree um, i think it is well that's what we'll talk about in a second this this is this that's what i was going to mention this because i've got a question for you two which i didn't quite understand but just quickly about the the, the cybermen in this story obviously kind of like the first kind of hint that you get at them um apart from the bbc cocking up the uh marketing for it and announcing uh. that scenes are coming back way in advance and ruining this the surprise for everyone um and everything the, else <laughs> and everything else yeah the the um the the first kind of hint that you get out of the Cybermen, Cybermen is when they're clearly kind of Mondasian Cybermen for people who know what they look like anyway. Um, I just hit my mic, whoops. But they've got um, they don't have any of the gizmos on, so they're purely just kind of like that white creepy cloth, and that is a really creepy look. And then the pain thing. Let's just talk about that because that is sinister. That's that's genius as well. Cybermen are always in pain. They just don't. They're just kind of like trained not to care about it yeah that's a grim concept especially when she turns the volume down because it's yes the form and not just and again not just the bit where she's doing it with that one individual who's saying pain repetitively but then when we get the other snippet out the episode where she checks in with a different patient and they come out of theater and that's when you say again it's that realization that they're all in agony yeah really 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 clever concept um and then of course later on you see bill in full Bondassian regalia. Just to point out, that I was pissing myself when um, she got captured by those two kind of partially converted Cybermen. And did you see what the hell was going on with the costume of one of the guys? Because his mask was stretched up, so his eyes are practically in the middle of his forehead. Did you see it? Uh, Go back no, and rewatch it. It's, it's the bit when they capture when they when they get hold of Bill in the. Um, theatre and they're about to about to operate on her go back and watch it and this one of the extras one of the guys his, his eyes are like in the middle of his forehead it just looks like he's got a really stretched out face unless that is genuinely his face not to feel really bad for saying that but yeah exactly <laughs> terrible person um did either of you feel like again well because it was obvious what we was kind of building it up to okay no sorry hang on i've just gone back and watched it and i know what you mean <laughs> <laughs> How rude! Again, <laughs> let's hope that you're not insulting that poor person. That's <laughs> done it. It's really weird. Um, Sorry, did I you two feel again that build up to that reveal was a bit beaten over the back of your head? Which bit, the master bit or the Cyberman bit? Uh, no, sorry, the master. We'll come back to the master bit. Now, so we're talking about yeah. the Cyberman, yeah, which yeah. is again that it was. Again, there's a difference between hinting at something and making it painfully obvious. Well, it depends because, like, being a group of Hoovians, um there's, there's two things that ruined it. The surprise, the reveal being kind of ruined by the BBC, obviously, because their marketing for Doctor Who, as I mentioned last last week, has just been cack. It's been handled so, ba- handled so badly for the past sort of five years, I reckon, that there are no surprises when it comes to Doctor Who anymore. Although that kind of did change to an extent, I suppose, recently. Um, so I think that was part of the problem. But then when you're saying kind of like, are you talking about the hints and stuff that you get in advance? Yeah. Again, I don't know if a casual viewer or a child who isn't overly familiar with the past would necessarily get some of that. Um, I would say that we are not a child-friendly podcast. Yeah, oh, definitely fucking not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
So yeah, talking as adult right. viewers, I think, yeah, it's a bit beaten over the head with it. It is a little bit, I suppose, yeah. I mean, even even child adult. Well, it's there's him, a fan really, thing. can't you? Say again. You can tell that the razor is... Cl- it's it's a John Sim head with some prosthetic. Oh, you're talking about the master now. Yeah, I suppose the master. I, I, you could sniff that one out straight at the beginning of the episode, without a shadow of a doubt. What's that beginning? Wait, when you which, first reveal saw Mr. You, which reveal are you saying? We're talking about Cybermen. We're talking about Cybermen. Welcome to the conversation. <laughs> well, honestly, both of them apply. <laughs> you're, you're right. They are. Yeah, the the Mr. Razor stuff is, and the the, the Cybermen stuff is fairly obvious, I suppose, to a degree, isn't it? Um, I think it becomes really obvious when you see the the helmet. The little helmet type thing, you know, that little skull plate thing that the uh, I think is Mr. Razor knocks on the top of or something. I can't remember, but Mr. Razor though, yeah, equally just obvious. Although um, retrospect and hindsight and all that business, I in my mind thought the prosthetics were worse than they actually were. And then rewatching it tonight, I was like, oh, actually, those prosthetics aren't too bad. It's obviously someone wearing prosthetics. If I hadn't seen series three before, would I have known it was John Sim? Nah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. But hardcore fans who basically let's let's face it are the only probably the only people watching Doctor Who at this point, um, or relatively long term fans, they're going to be the ones who know who he is. Do we think? I'd say so. Yeah. I think the only way you can get genuine shock factor master reveals these days is if it's a new actor. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, at the same time, you know, in an episode where so many of the extras are wearing skin tight white face masks, they could have done a better job. If they wanted to hide his identity, mm. they could have done it in very different ways. That wasn't. It did seem very uh, out of place as well. We've, we've got this. We've got this raggedy hobo caveman looking Neanderthal type janitor in the hospital. <laughs> really? I was thinking about this because there aren't that many actual like humanoid person character extras no there's not there's and a consistent I, cast of three people i get the, i get the sense that the, the the doctor who does the operations and stuff was meant to have a bigger role the doctor does the operations no 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 the uh um... not the doctor doctor <laughs> not the, the, you said doctor who does the operations i was like what <laughs> the surgeon I mean, man i think i think we're forgetting the little stroll outside we do see a fair amount of of ah oh, we do that's true yeah you do see a lot of people there. outside briefly well, then, don't you? Uh, Cast members, though. Are well, yeah, but, yeah, but you know what I mean. It's, it's still trying to set that scene of they're still in a process of conversion. They're not, yeah. you know, it, it things are still being ironed out. But then that that scene actually also bugged me a little bit because there was this whole thing about Bill can't leave the hospital because of a, a mechanical heart. Um, but at the same time, there's also these bits where ever she seems to get close to escaping and she's in the room with the partially converted people. Um, they seem to either get towards her or seem to pay lots of attention to the fact that she's trying to exit. But then we get that entire scene outside and it just doesn't feel right. Well, not it, sure okay, so we're kind of getting into into elephant territory. Um, the, my interpretation is the master's in control of it. That's my point. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think that's... that's. I don't, I don't know whether that's suggests or not. I don't if, think it's alluded to well enough. It, it's, has he orchestrated the whole thing, everything, to do with that this scenario? I can't remember if he, if he has or not. Um I've only ever seen the Doctor Falls once, and that was on on airing. Uh, I don't. It's not. It's never alluded to that he has, but I find it hard to believe he wouldn't have. Because how did because he get there? Because they're Cybermen. I mean, yeah. He's, if he sees a bunch of 
of course it's going to play around. Oh, right. So, so we were talking a minute ago about about the the origins of the Cybermen. It's well known that basically they converted themselves because Mondas flew out of our solar system and became freezing cold and they had to survive. Now, Big Finish very, very famously, probably one of their most famous stories, did a story called Spare Parts, which was an origin story about the Cybermen, the Mondasian Cybermen, and why they changed themselves, starring the Fifth Doctor. There's a lot of elements of that, the steampunk cityscape and stuff like that, which kind of, I think, take inspiration to this. I'm kind of annoyed that World Enough and Time wasn't an adaptation of Spare Parts, because it would have been brilliant to just basically riff off that and not make it its own thing. You know, kind of like how um, Human Nature was a riff off the Human Nature novel. I think it would have worked well yeah, to do that Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, it feels a way to have a parallel though. story for the Cybermen. Well, that's because it's... The whole point in, in the Doctor Falls, they state it's parallel evolution. The Cybermen can crop up anywhere. It's not a one-time thing. Ah, okay. They that's the bit that I'd forgotten. Okay, cool. Great, yeah. so they do establish that. Right, okay. Yeah. I mean... I mean as far as stories go, um, it's a good it's a good story with some good bits in it. I think the problem, like like you both pointed out in various aspects, the master, the Cybermen, the, the surprises weren't surprises. They were kind of obvious from a point. I think the only surprise potentially was um, Bill getting a gigantic dinner plate hole in a chest within the first few minutes, maybe. Um, that was a bit of a surprise. Um, there's also some great comedy moments in this. We're kind of just keeping an eye on the timer here because we're going to run short otherwise. But... Um, this particular episode has some really, really good moments and some great dialogue lines. Miss Missy's whole skit about I'm Doctor Who and these are my companions, exposition and comic relief. <laughs> I thought you were going to have a field day when I realised that that scene was in this episode. Because you love the Doctor Who running joke. It's your it, favourite thing. Uh, it just it didn't anger me in this extent it, because at this point it, it's, it's just kind of like um, Stephen Moffat kind of... Is it almost like he's taking the piss out of himself a little bit, maybe? Yeah, I know what you mean. It's almost like he's pastiching himself, I think. I don't think it's intentional. You know, I think he's 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 done with all that. I think he's learned from all that by this point. Um, and I think it, that, that whole sequence is, is, is so meta, it hurts, but I quite appreciate it nonetheless. Um, I just love the Doctor eating a packet of crisps while they go off on a little <laughs> adventure around the bridge. It's brilliant. It's priceless. And, and Missy's like, I'm Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely I also, did, I yeah. also did quite enjoy it as well. So she's just sat there in the chair and it's, um, uh, well, of course he's not too. That's his name. And then Bill's reaction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's priceless. I mean, all right. Speaking of Bill. My favourite comedy moment in this, though, is when Nardol and Missy try and exit the lift at the same time. <laughs> it's subtle, isn't it? Yeah, I noticed that as well. Yeah, it's very subtle, that. Um Although, we're also forgetting Missy's bit where she um, gets accused of being a human. She responds, don't be a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Typically, the BBC got a bit of flack for that. Typically. Wow, but I think it's, it's perfect. I can't, I, I can't think of Missy reacting a different way. No, I can't either. I think it's perfect. Um, I, I, I said it last week, didn't I? Oh, no, I said it a couple of weeks ago when we did Series 8. Um, I like Missy. I just don't see her as the master. And I still don't. Uh it's not like a you know it's not because I don't want to um, I just don't see the character as the master it's just that simple really um, yeah so we've got quite a packed out TARDIS at this point it's got some new faces a lot of, a lot of stuff happens in series 10 a lot of ground cover in series 10 and of course part of that is um, the reintroduction of Nardole who was a brief 
one-off scene in, in um, The Husbands of River Song and this brand new companion, Bill. So let's talk about Bill for a bit because she's only in one season and as far as I'm concerned, she's one of New Who's best companions. I love Bill yeah. Potts. She's brilliant. I really enjoy Bill. Mm. Pearl Mackey, absolutely brilliant. Um, did some really good stuff. Um I think she's like the first official lesbian character as well, isn't she? The first official gay character, uh, companion, well, rather. Are you forgetting about the Silurian and the uh, Victorian? Well, I'm saying companion, though, like travelling <laughs> companion. But yeah, yeah, you're right on that. Um, I, just in terms of the character, though, I think she's brilliant. She's There's nothing overly amazing about her. She, you know, she's got a job in a university, so it's a uh, cafeteria, like a dinner lady, isn't she? She's like a cook or something. Um the doctor happens to be teaching at Bristol University. Uh, he's hidden Missy in a vault underneath Bristol University, um, and builds there. What I like about ser- series ten is how consistent it is with Bill's home life and how it ties into her travels with the doctor. It's not on the nose, is it? In terms of no. like, yeah, her, basically her personal life doesn't interfere with with the travels. It's a lot more fluid. Yes. I think. Yeah, I really, I really like that um, aspect. She's a, she's just a thoroughly believable character. Um, uh, she's probably one of Moffat's best written, and I don't even think he was trying at this point. <laughs> Maybe that's part he, of it. he does have he does have an issue writing women, doesn't he? He does. Oh god, um, yeah. But somehow I think he's just managed to do it right this time. Yeah, definitely. It's weird. I see a lot of um, Ace from the classic series in Bill. A lot of the a lot of the characteristics and mannerisms. I don't know if maybe he lent on that at all. Um, I have no idea. I can. Yeah, I, I just see a lot of a lot of kind of like um, a lot of, well, maybe not not just Ace, but a lot of old old style companions in in Bill. Um, it's just a shame that she only came in for one season, though. She has a horrible death as well. Let's face it. Um, yeah. I mean, again. She has a horrible death. Bad luck with companions, hasn't he? Who? Twelve. Twelve, yeah. Who, who's he been with? Just Clara and Clara and Bill. Both and he gone back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> what an irresponsible dick. No wonder he didn't want to regenerate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we did just one thing to go back to before we carry on, because we of course the, the cold opener from World Muffin Time. Um I made a note here and I just want to make a point of this. By this point, with fate even though I was a little bit kind of, you know, what the sort of moment i was on also kind of like ah oh, this is going to be another fake out and i'm so fed up with fake out regenerations by this point technically it wasn't well it was very prolonged <laughs> so you didn't end up caring about it as much as you would have I, that's possibly it yeah it didn't it didn't hit us um in a, in a good sort of like whack of a moment sorry going back to bill anyway um yeah, great character. Has some really good moments. Um, the fact that she's black as well plays out in episodes like Thin Ice, um, where there's that like element of racism brought into it, which has done quite well. Who punches that bloke? Is it the Doctor? It is the Doctor. Yeah. The whole speech <laughs> about not resorting to violence. Glorious. One sentence from the guy, and he clobbers him. Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. And of course, Bill and her relationship with Heather in so many people I know don't like the pilot and don't like that kind of whole concept of Bill fancying this girl who then becomes an alien and later on at the end of the series they run off together um, it I, is basically just Clara's ending but slightly different it, yeah, it is exactly that in fact it wouldn't surprise me if they've got a and, little club somewhere and again I have I have no I've got, <laughs> <You> too, I, 
and I've got no problem with the pilot actually. I quite enjoyed it as far as uh, as far as the season opener goes. But again, it's it's what I spoke about previously, which is undoing a good death. And actually, yeah, it's you know, tragedy can be beautiful in the right context. And actually, a good death is fantastic. And again, builds another example of a character who had a really interesting end for lack of a better phrase you know being being converted into a cyberman is not anything anybody wants especially in a wear one yeah and they could have really really ran with that but they that's the they took that away and again yeah. they seem to have that habit no that's I understand it. why it's a show aimed at all ages it's meant to have a happy positive outcome but again you know sometimes if you're happy enough to if you're happy enough to have people on screen coming out of a surgery going pain constantly <laughs> then maybe maybe or run with it a little bit please don't burn me yeah yeah exactly yeah i i would keep bill's ending as it is though and i would um make clara be the one that's died permanently because she yeah. chose that whereas bill did not agree yeah to... yeah, yeah. Right, of course i agree with that if you go by the uh doctor who lockdown spin-offs that we had during the pandemic and the lockdown last year which um i think it was i'm pretty certain it was written by Stephen moffat um, Bill ends up going back to Earth because she gets fed up with Heather. <laughs> Once I've been dicking around, the, the, have you not seen that? What a bitch! <laughs> yeah, she, she is Pearl Mackey leaving a voicemail for the Doctor. Uh, uh, I have, I do vaguely recall that. <laughs> that's brilliant. But I can't remember what it was about. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Bill is a fantastic companion, way too short-lived. Um, you know, yeah. just unfortunate, really. Um, I think me and you have said this before, and we could possibly as well, Matt. If they'd just given Capaldi. One more season with Nardole and Bill, it would have been perfect. Um, uh, it's a perfect team, I think. I love that trio. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a very good group of people. Uh, so speaking of the again, trio, I think, then... oh, go on, just because again, it's still about the trio. But speaking about Nardole as well, I really didn't expect to see more of Nardole. Well, that's what I was going to talk about. Yeah, speaking of Nardole, yeah. Yeah, it's quite it's a surprise when they decided to keep him on, but that was a mm. pleasant surprise. Definitely, definitely, I think definitely. It's the ones that you expect not to really go anywhere that end up actually being the best the well, that's, it's, it's always the com- it's always the comedians that seem to pull the ace out out of the sleeve um catherine tate do you remember how many people because yeah. i include myself included scowled at the news of catherine tate coming into the show everyone was like "Ugh," you know um matt lucas coming back into it permanently everyone was like "Ugh," and he just he wasn't stupid i mean he's stupid throughout it but he, when he has his moments you know when he's really kicking off at the doctor about about missy being in the vault and um being worried that she's going to escape and saying there's a moment isn't there i i, I don't know if it's an extremist or no it's at the end of um oxygen uh and he's basically oh, going yeah. shit at the doctor and saying you've got responsibility to this planet and you keep pissing around uh, at which point, twelve turns around and says, "No, I can't see. I'm still blind." <laughs> dun dun dun. Um, um, they should have rolled with that. They should have rolled with the blind thing a lot longer. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, they should have. He should have stayed blind until he regenerated. In my opinion, uh, the, mm, yeah. the fact that he had sonic shades just was perfect, and it would have it would have ticked a box in the disability inclusion thing for the BBC. And I'm not saying that flippantly. It would have done, you know, um, to an extent anyway. But no, Nardole is a brilliant, brilliant character. Um, Hopefully, the fact that we've had really good comedians come into the show and do good things means we're going to get good things out of John Bishop uh, in Series 13. You never know. He may may turn yeah, around and do it really hopefully. well. Fingers crossed. Um, 
So yes, I not that though. So. I hope he's not the one to prove. The yeah, wrong. yeah, to 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 break the chain. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully not. Now that we've crossed. made that observation, <laughs> jinxed it. Fate is out the window. But they are a great Tardis team. They all work really well off each other. They've got some brilliant moments. Um, not only is is he in every is he in every episode? He's not in Smile, is he? Well, he's in it, but he's not kind of in it, is he? Um, yeah, I think he turns up at the end because they. Um... No, he's not in Smile at all. I don't think. Is he not? Right, okay. So or is he not... in it at the start? I really can't remember. But he hasn't got an active part in it. But he's in all the other ones, isn't he? Uh, I don't think he's in Thin Ice much either. Okay, so so it's probably those two. So oh, he's not in he's not in he... the um, Caretaker either. Not the Caretaker. Landlord. Is it called not the Landlord? Not Nog, <laughs> the Landlord. Yeah, not Nog. He's not in Nog. I'm just making episodes up now to go along. Hmm. But yeah, he's he's a he's a great companion. Not much you can really say about him. He's got some good comedy moments. He is in at the end of the night, actually, because I remember they turn up in their um sort of Victorian attire or whatever it is they're wearing, mm. and they're in the doctor's office. Yeah, it's because it's the time he takes Nardole to, to walk back from having a go at the doctor while the TARDIS is outside, back to the doctor's office, and they've already been on two adventures or something like that. That's right. Yes, yeah, I like that. They they play on that quite a bit in this, don't they? The the practical yeah. elements of time travel. I quite like that. Um, when 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 it kind of crops up from time to time. Um, all right. Well, moving on from Nardole, unless either of you two got anything else to add. That's why I was just laughing at your joke when it crops up from time to time. Uh, we'll go with that. It was yeah, that was intentional. <laughs> um, it's not quite about the trio, but just because you mentioned the Doctor's office as well, the. I like the sheer amount of nods and props that are scattered around his desk. Yeah, I really definitely. enjoyed that touch. His role as a um, lecturer, perfection. Oh, I like that. Yes. You know, I think again, there's the the two main ones that he does actually up on the stage where he's giving a proper lecture about it. Were both fantastically delivered. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, just the the idea of him being a lecturer. I wonder how he got that job though. <laughs> Psychic paper. Don't question it. Yeah, yeah, don't question it, yeah. Just go with it. It's fine. Um, of course, there's technically like a f- third companion, if you so wish, uh, in Missy. Um, the whole point of Series 10, the whole arc, was basically what's in the vault. Cook, do you remember the conversations we would have about this? The the rumours that it was William Hartnell, well, not William Hartnell, that'd be weird. The, the rumours <laughs> that it was the first Doctor, David Bradley, um portraying the first Doctor in the vault because people had seen had had leaks and stuff like that. The BBC had had leaks and there was rumours that... Can you remember we actually thought the 12th Doctor had abducted the first Doctor <laughs> and had locked him in the vault because he didn't want to regenerate or something? That would definitely have been an interesting twist. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> yes, I've kidnapped my past self. Um, and of course, in the vault, it turned out to be Missy in a real kind of Hannibal Lecter style way. I think I prefer series 10 Missy to the other other ones. And I'm not saying I'm not disparaging yeah. 8 and 9 Missy, but 10 Missy is far creepier because she's suddenly got this air of calm about her. Um she's dropped her ulterior motives at this point. Yeah. She's not wackaday is she until she gets out of the TARDIS and then you know, la la la, she's gone a bit crackers again. Um, yeah. I also find it astonishingly bizarre at the end at the end of World Enough and Time how quickly her allegiances flip. To be honest, do you reckon she's, uh, she knows who she used to be, so she must pr- 
probably be a little bit scared. That's a very good point, actually. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, maybe she's scared of him, actually. Um, with good reason, as we find out at the end of Doctor, the Doctor yeah. Falls. <laughs> Considering he, uh, he... Does he stab her? He shoots <laughs> her. With a she stabs him. She and stabs then he him. shoots her. Oh, he shoots her. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Laser yeah, yeah. That's right. And then she regenerates into Sasha Down, um, which is something Basically I would have loved to have seen. Yeah. I, that was confirmed somewhere. I think it was in one of the BBC spin off books. Yeah, I think mm. the annual or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, um, I like Missy in this in this series. She does something that Michelle Gomez is. I remember seeing her in a comedy series called Green Wing years ago, um, back in the early noughties, and she's phenomenal as an actress. And the fact that she plays this psych- psychotic sort of um, character, but it's got this. Hannibal Lecter vibe to her. I think it's perfect. I do like how the um, vault stuff wasn't drawn out across a whole series either. It was... Yeah. It, the series arc really is Missy's character arc in a sense. It's the it, redemption, isn't it, of Missy? Yeah. But it's then, not so much a... Is, are we talking... When you say that, what you're really saying is the entirety of the Twelfth Doctor's arc is Missy's redemption from everything shitty she's done and Twelve's acceptance of, of who he is and moving on from that. Yeah, it's a very clean arc, the... isn't it? Am I a good man? Mm. All the way through to um, I've come to peace with who I am and I don't want to carry on losing people because it hurts. I mean, that could possibly be why I enjoy the Capaldi era so much compared to others because of how consistent it is with the storyline and character development. Maybe, maybe you're right. There's a lot of parallels in Capaldi's era with Tennant's era, I think, in that respect. Um, I can see a lot of similarities in 10 and 12. Yeah. 11 feels a little bit more kind of um, abstract in, in parts, the way that, that you know, his, his evolution kind of comes and goes. Um, he is the def- definition of a madman in the box, whereas 10 and 12 maybe kind of build and build and build and then have something that you know, traumatic that happens and they have to choose whether they want to go on again or not. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, what does actually, it's going back a bit, what actually does happen to 10? He loses Rose, Martha leaves, yep. he loses Donna. He loses Donna. So, I mean, they, they've kind of had similar... Yeah, tr- just plain trauma throughout. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you look at kind of previous Doctors, companions that have left through their own choice, majority of them more or less, there's only a handful of them. Probably count on one hand the amount of companions who've... Uh, Jamie and Zoe, well, Susan, he chose to, to leave behind. Um, Jamie and Zoe... Or, and then he had other companions like Katrina, who um, got killed in uh, one of the first Doctor stories. And then Jamie and Zoe got ripped away from him by the Time Lords when he got exiled on Earth and had their minds wiped and sent back to their own times. Joe chose to leave. Have you ever seen Joe Grant's exit? Uh, no. It's this clip of it on YouTube. Um, just YouTube at yeah, some point. Yeah, YouTube, man. It's, it's a beautiful moment. It's Considering it's kind of like early 70s Doctor Who, um, it's got some real emotional drama to it in terms of the Doctor kind of like acknowledging that his companion's got a life outside of his adventures and she wants to go off and get married. And he's, he's he looks quite hard. John Pertwee does a brilliant job of looking quite saddened by it. So what I'm basically saying is I think most of the companions either lose, leave through their own choice, but it's not tra- traumatic. Whereas, yeah, 10 has a lot of trauma and 12 has a lot of trauma. 
I think the difference though between the two is Ten spends a lot of time. Okay. He struggles with his. Well, I, I was trying to be nice. And <laughs> grief is a complicated topic anyway. I think Ten spends a lot of time struggling with his grief, whereas when we look at what Capaldi does with the situation, is he's very much. I don't want to say accepting. Accepting is not quite the phrase I'm looking for, but he's prepared to try again, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, it's like he's trying to evolve from it in some respects, isn't it? Yeah, adapt. That's better than try again. That's what I mean. He's prepared to adapt to the situation rather than grieve for what he's lost. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've kind of bled on to talking about 12 here, I suppose, um, from, from Missy. And this is obviously is Peter Capaldi's final season. We spoke about this last week. When did we find out? When did Capaldi say he was leaving? We knew it was coming at this point, didn't we? Well, we must yeah, have done. We, we must have done. Yeah, yeah, we must have known because the regeneration story is a couple of months later from this point, isn't it? January twenty seventeen, apparently. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we definitely knew at this point. Um, and okay, a bigger question then: uh, Did we know when Jodie Whittaker was going to be starting? Because that we'll talk about. We won't touch that now. We're going to talk about that next week. Obviously, that's a humongous thing because it's the first female incarnation. We don't know when the regeneration is going to happen, do we? No, there was. Well, I was thinking about this because the, the confusion was Stephen Moffat expected the finale of series ten to be his final story, but supposedly Chris Chibnall didn't want to start on a Christmas special. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, so I'm wondering <clears throat> if the whole regeneration at the North Pole thing was an add-in when Moffat found that out and it wasn't planned? Possibly. Because uh, is it is it the Doctor Falls where he collapses inside the TARDIS and his head starts glowing? That, that cut on his head starts glowing? Yeah. Oh, that, do you know right what? Right at the end. Because I wasn't expecting that. And when that happened, um, oh, I remember just like losing my shit and the wife sitting across the room from me and, and being like, what is it? Is he changing now? And I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know. It looks like he's changing now because <laughs> they did that montage, didn't they? Of all his companions from the new era, which yeah. I thought was fantastic that they did that anyway. All shouting his name. That was brilliantly edited. That sequence. Interestingly, though, he only woke up after Missy appeared as a vision. That's um, right. Yeah, shouting Sontaran's perverting the course of history again. He's obsessed with <laughs> shouting that. <laughs> Call back to his fourth incarnation every time. Bonkers. Uh, yeah, so basically... He said that in Listen as well, didn't he? He did, he did, yeah. yeah. So, go figure. I don't know. don't know what all that's about. <laughs> Relatable uh, Easter egg. There you go. little nod at the camera. I think it's a bit of an amalgamation, Doctor, isn't he? He likes to call back to a lot of his old, older personas. Hugely. Well, Pete Capaldi himself was like... Like, he was the head of the Doctor Who Appreciation Society for a time, wasn't he? As, as a kid in the 70s. So yeah. he's, he's like an an uber fan, like a proper uber fan. Um, so it's no wonder that he did all that sort of stuff. So his regeneration, I still don't truly understand what his what he died from. <laughs> I never have. Is it... Cyberman. Is it yeah. when they shot yeah. him with their heads? No, it's when he got... Um... You know, before they escape the industrial level, he gets um, zapped before, Does he? He can, uh, before he can get onto the shuttle. I the don't remember. Shuttle. I will have to go yeah. back and watch. Um, he gets, he gets hugged by a Cyberman, basically. And then... I was going to say, to be fair, that, that may have been the triggering point, but it could have been the, the ground, the shot, or the explosion, <laughs> to be fair. 
Yeah. yeah, he does. He does pull it, pull it out a little bit, doesn't he? But 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 if you remember, he's walking through the woods talking to Bill. He falls against a tree, and his hands already glowing before all that happens. Yeah, so. touche. That's a fair point. Yeah, no, that's a that's a very good point because of course he's already on the way out by that point. <laughs> this this is one of my issues with ah no actually do you know why I was going to say why I said earlier about the the fake regeneration thing the fake out it was because we already have a fake out don't we back in yeah lie the land oh that annoys me so much that really annoys me so much all right let's talk about series ten in in general at this point then um so series 10 it's got some very strong episodes and some just average episodes in my opinion um but otherwise i think it's probably i think it's one of my favorite series in the new new era um i yeah i'd agree i think there's some really good stuff it's my actual it is actually my favorite yeah yeah i'd say so Mm. i'll stand by that there's some there's some good good stories in it um i think um personally it was my favorite Mm, would you no, I don't think I can tell you which one it is my favourite. I think there are some re- there's a really good overall arcs here, and there are some fantastic stories. Yeah, but I think it's very for me anyway. It's as I describe it, one on one off. What the a different great stories? One, then a poor one, then a great one. Well, what we got? We got the pilot. Yeah. Pilot smile, thin ice. Uh, knock knock. Knock knock. Oxygen oh, experiment. It's oh yeah. It's, yeah, it's oxygen. Then it's extremis. Then it's lie of the land and the other one. The pyramid of the underworld. Yep, and then it's uh, em- Empress of Mars. The the, the eaters of light. Eaters of light. Thank yeah. you. World enough and time, and then Doctor Falls. Yeah. So handful of strong ones. Yeah, you're right. A handful of strong ones. Handful of weak ones. Uh, one of my favourites of this se- se- season is um, oxygen. Just because of how dark and sinister it is, and pretty scary. If I was a kid watching that episode, I would have been terrified. Those suit things were proper scary. They were, and they were like proper bloated, bloated yeah. bodies in space. And the BBC didn't hold back from showing us bloated bodies. I think the prosthetics on those those um, corpses were grim, like really grim. You know. I think the, I think one thing series ten got right is a lot of the episodes have. Uh, pacing, which is just on point. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, Spot on. It's well yeah. enough in time. It it just it just goes from one scene to the next. It doesn't. Where, well, but it also disappears. I mean, for me, again, well enough in time. By the time we got to the end of it, I didn't realise I'd watched the full episode. Yeah. yeah, it flew by, didn't it? Totally flew so that by. That happens with a lot of the oxygen, especially. Mm. Um, yeah, oxygen's a great example. I think extrem- extremist does that. I don't remember anything about smile. Uh, emoji it's... episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's emoji episodes filmed in Valencia. That's kind of all I remember, and there being these little robots. I don't really remember anything else about that episode. Well, they got the the the, the emoji robots are the interface supposedly, and then they've got the flying little nano robots that make up the building. No, you see, you're just saying words. The I don't ones, get it. <laughs> they're, kill, they're the ones that are killing everyone, and it's because one of the humans died, so and then the population got struck with grief. And these robots interpreted that as bad, so they started killing them all. <laughs> oh, okay. So as far as stories go, clever story. I just don't remember it. It's kind of, yeah. It's just, Series 10, I don't think, has any actually weak episodes. It's just one of those. Unforgettable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's it. If you, if you were to class it, I wouldn't say it was bad. It's just forgetful. Uh, forgettable, rather. You just mentioned yeah. Extremis, though. I fucking love Extremis. And me. That is a brilliant yeah, I... episode. 
That is such a we, good episode. Spent the Veritas a lot of time talking episode. about it. We yeah, did. and and the whole again, that again, particularly. I know it's, uh, we've spoken about it before previously, but just when we get towards the end of the episode, and they're doing the random number scene. Yes, I yeah, that that's really Very, good. It's a, that's an actual proper chilling episode. And then well, you yeah, find out the whole thing. There, and then you go, "What the fuck?" Yeah, <laughs> and you find out the whole thing's VR or the equivalent of VR, and you're like, "What? What? What?" Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Unfortunately, the follow-ups were absolute dog shite. Do you know when we said a second yeah. ago, actually, there weren't any bad episodes in this story in the season. I think Lie of the Land and whatever it's called, Pyramids or whatever. Poop. I don't think Pyramids okay. I really I don't think. enjoy them. They're not good follow-ups to Extremists, but that's an incredibly high bar to start with. Anyway. <laughs> it didn't. It? All right, that's fair. The monks um, just felt but... like stupid fucking enemies. It suffers, you know what, it's, I think it suffers from the Star Wars sequel syndrome where you've got three different writers doing three different briefs. Oh, is it three different writers uh, for one story? Yeah, Moffat, Moffat wrote Extremis, someone else wrote Pyramid, and I think Toby Whithouse wrote like the Land. Oh, holy crap, never knew that. Okay, well that would yeah. explain it. Yeah, you're right. Three pe- different yeah. people with a concept and it kind of got lost in translation somewhere. Um, I think it could have made a... well. It could have been adapted to be a really good finale, I think. But mm. I think Moffat probably knew that, and that's why he was slotting it into his last series in some fashion. Yeah, possibly. I think I think like the um, the, the the concept of the monks is quite a cool one. Um, and as we said a minute ago, I do wish that I can understand why they use the Doctor's blindness as leverage for this trade-off thing that happens in it. Um, but I don't know. I they just... could have just moved him out of there. They didn't need to cure his blindness to get him out of there. It's that fake regeneration scene as well. I hate the idea that time wars can fake their own regeneration. <laughs> That's convenient. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know. I think it probably draws from the fact that it's now unclear how many regenerations he has. So he could just have an infinite source of whatever this power is. Oh, what, you talking about? Davros hooked him up to some kind of juicing machine. <laughs> <laughs> I did, didn't I? Yeah, literally like an orange juicer. I've forgotten all about that. No, I've forgotten all about that. I wonder if that's ever going to come back and bite him in the arse. We never spoke about that, did we? Hey, this is oh, first yeah. first season when we don't have a Dalek in it, isn't it? No, there's one in the pilot. Oh, there is, in the pilot. Yeah, it gets Which watered. It's actually quite a cool scene, because we get the Mavellans back in there as well. We do, super, super briefly. Another nice little nod back to the past. Um... Do you remember how before this aired we all thought two things? Because we got that brief glimpse of Bill, didn't we? On in between um match of the day on a Saturday, there was a brief here's Doctor Who's new companion. Yeah. And she's like, Exterminate and everyone must go in, Oh god, she's gonna be awful. Uh, how wrong we were. Um but everyone also thought she was from the eighties because of like her fashion sense and stuff. Yeah. Um It would have been cool if she was. Yeah. But we've spoken about this actually now that I'm yeah. I remember we haven't mentioned this in the past. Um yeah, another thing about series ten, I think, which kind of, it, to me, it all feels very much like it's part of a comic strip, like a Doctor Who magazine cut. Just the stories and everything seems very comic strippy, if that makes sense. It's quite high highbrow sci-fi, um, quite quite glossy and snazzy. And the BBC are throwing a fair bit of money at Doctor Who still at this point, aren't they? Especially in the in the visual effects department. Yeah, I know what you mean. They're definitely. It's like um. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. The concepts that they're going for with the aliens and the monsters, etc. Are just 
shinier. Yeah, they're not tr- although your favourites are in this season, aren't they? Um, what are your favourites? The Ice Warriors. Oh. <laughs> I, lo- I love that. Uh, Mark Gatiss pulled it out of the hat for me, that episode. I loved it. I love the idea of it. Some proper uh, old turn-of-the-century British Imperial soldiers taken to Mars. I, think I like brilliant. the concept. I just wish it wasn't the fucking Ice Warriors. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, I don't know why. I don't know why people like them. I love the Ice Warriors, and they're great. <laughs> why? What's so great about them? They're just—they're just a cool-looking species, really. Um, I mean, the interesting really... thing about them is their creed, but that's—that's that's about it. Well, the creed's great, and I really loved Cold War. Actually, I quite enjoyed them in it, the whole claustrophobic submarine episode. Yeah. I didn't really enjoy Empress of Mars. Did you not? Oh, okay. I, I, I just quite... I don't know what it was specifically. Although that, that bit at the end, which I don't know if you guys would have appreciated, with Alpha Centauri when she rocks up. The high-pitched squeaking alien on the screen. Oh, yes. <laughs> you messaged me completely geeking out. <laughs> yeah. It's like from um, the Curse and Monster of Peladon. Uh, this gigantic, incredibly phallic-looking alien. Uh from 70s Pertwee who it, this obviously the Empress of Mars is like a, a precursor to um, to that era of Doctor Who which there was a nice little, nice little you mentioned in Novellas as well actually cool. um, he's doing this quite a bit in this season isn't he lots yeah, of little throwbacks he's just having fun with it at this point it's the master in disguise like a latex disguise that was something Delgado would have done and he, he did I think... quite a bit He's probably had the pressure come off quite a bit because he knows he's on his way out. He's not really doing Sherlock anymore because I think that that's done by this point. Oh, um, it had it finished? Okay, right, yeah, yeah. I think sorry, some... he's probably less stressed. Yeah. I think it shows. <laughs> oh, it definitely shows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, without a shadow of a doubt, I think there's quite a cool sort of like. Um, this just a really good kind of. I think I don't know. It... I know what I want to say, and I'm trying to put it into words, but it's hard. I think that, I think with season ten, though, there was a lot of speculation going around about Jodie Whittaker's impending arrival, when he was going to regenerate, because of course we had the fake out regeneration mid series. Then we had obviously the the opener to um, World Enough and Time, um, where he's out in the North Pole and he's beating his fists into the ground. Um, okay, let's just focus on that for a moment because that's a big thing. He goes back, and we get our first multi doctor story. Um, in a few years in the sense of, well, it's technically our first classic multi-Doctor story, isn't it? Um, obviously yeah. uh, the first Doctor reprised by the um, uh, what would I say, reprised the, the esteemed David brought Bradley. back the esteemed David Bradley um, what was the episode called again? Twice Upon a Time Twice Upon a Time, yeah So, what, from an uh, what was it? An, an, not an anagram what, what's the word I'm thinking of? I have no Where idea. Where you um, shorten a word into its initials. Acronym. Acronym, yeah. The acronym is TWAT. <laughs> <laughs> All of that just for that. Oh, that, was, that was a lot. That's oh, a perfect, sorry, perfect payoff. I think, I think um, uh, for me, David Bradley, it, uh, Stephen Moffat got the nature of the first Doctor so incredibly wrong. In that yeah. in that episode, he wasn't like that. The first Doctor, he wasn't constantly der- um, being derogatory towards women. He wasn't constantly telling Susan or whoever else they they get a slap button. 
you know, he just wasn't like that. Uh, and I know, I, I get the, the point of what he was trying to do. He was trying to kind of use the first Doctor as a mechanism to identify stereotypes from the 60s and how far we've come now in, in the modern age. But that's like, that defies the whole point of time travel, you know. The reason the first Doctor was so widely adored was because he was all right he was going to stove an old a, a caveman's head in in his very first episode but he also had some really sweet and caring moments you know he was really really considerate of um of all of his all of his companions and he had a lot of respect for them as well and that just doesn't come through in twat which is unfortunate <laughs> yeah uh, I mean, my main question is just why well why, why have him come back no, why did Moffat do that? What was the purpose of displaying these stereotypes? Because you can... It's not difficult to distinguish two Doctors. It's been done countless times. I presume it's, again, because they wanted to distinguish between the 60s when everything was misogynistic and, uh, you know... Um, uh, there were significant opinions about, about certain things that were done in, in, in one way. And now things are different, so Moffat potentially wanted to, to highlight that difference. I don't know. I don't have the answer. I just, I just don't appreciate the way that it was done personally. I just, you know. No. I think again, it's it's uh, something we talked about uh, during the fiftieth, which is you can really, you can really, you know, uh, bring a bad light upon your main character. You could have gone. You could, if you want to do the whole comparison between the sixties and now, and how far we've come, and all the changes we've done. You travel to the 60s. Any... Yeah, travel to the 60s or do it with any other character from the 60s. But Don't do it with choosing the to use your main character yeah. as your point, it 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 doesn't put yourself in a favourable position. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe throw a teeny bit in. Maybe throw a line that kind of seems awkward. But it, it every other line that David Bradley's Doctor had to say was, oh, this place is filthy, she could do with a clean-up. Or... Um, come on here, we'll leave the girls behind. And he'd just be like, "What the?" F-? He never, he he was never like that. He was yeah, considerate so like, of his granddaughter and 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 you know Barbara, but he was never that oppressive. So a good example of where they bring they do bring attention to it, and you know again time travel and talking about um uh, race and gender and all the other things which you know were what's the word looking for um were treated differently historically and having all these issues which we know which were a big problem is when we talk about things like um human nature and how martha was treated and when we talk about actually uh very recently on in this season in thin ice and how bill is treated doing it once to acknowledge that it was there is is a very different thing to you know flogging a dead horse ramming it in yeah which is what he does different scenarios though because bill and martha were there experiencing it yeah and to uh, Yaz and Ryan get the same treatment with Rosa, um, yeah. In the next series, yeah. So mm, it's an I... it's an awkward one, and I think it was just done at the expense of of a cheap laugh. And it it unfortunately, I think for people a lot of a lot of Doctor Who fans who've never seen f- the first Doctor, I think it diminished the um, characteristics of that Doctor. So there will be a lot of fans out there who've never gone back and watched it because they'll just think it's all a bit carry on tongue in cheek derogatory towards women. And it's not. It really isn't like that. Um, well, I I don't think it's done 
as much damage. I think if they weren't going to go back, then uh, by this point they weren't. Oh, well, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. However, I don't think it's it was the right move. No, it didn't help certainly. Um, but then, of course, uh, he regenerates into a woman, um, and the first thing she does is crash the TARDIS. Right, moving on. So um, we've kind of run out of time again. Um, that was a joke, by the way. <laughs> Um, of course, we will be talking more about Jodie Whisker in next week's um, episode. But to finish off today, we shall be doing our usual fault locator. Um, Cook, I'll let you kick off today. Oh. You started last week. I started. I don't. I don't have one this week. Go on, Matt. You go first, then. Um. Uh, yeah, I think. For, I think for me, if we're talking specifically in this context around a world enough in time, I would have. I. I would have probably taken out the whole master twist. Don't get wrong, it's nice to see John Sim back in screen, but I think you'd have had a nice, really cohesive, really tight story, and it was just an added thing that necessarily didn't give us too much. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, you've taken mine. Yeah, okay. Ah, okay, should have gone to... first. Then. <laughs> should have gone first. Um, I just think <laughs> I would have maybe adapted spare parts i know that the, the concept of the parallel origin uh the cyberman can spring up anywhere any 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 time as a concept but why why do that when you've got a really rich story from from a, a well-adapted source that you can adapt like you did with human nature to me it just would have made more sense if they'd been able to get hold of spare parts and do that uh cook what about you uh you're gonna hate me for this but um i listen spare parts and I couldn't even pay attention to it, it brought me to tears oh, yeah but you struggle with Big Finish anyway so your point's invalid well I struggle with Peter Davis. alright <laughs> <are you>, <laughs> no go on what, what's, what's your fault locator oh, um, there wasn't enough Nardle I want more Nardle fair point yeah okay yeah that's a valid point just actually. full stop <laughs> yeah yeah more, more Nardle, Nardle more Bill makes Cook happy yeah yeah or just a whole extra season full of the team, yeah. including Missy, more, potentially. More Doctor Who, please. Mm. That's my only fault with this series. <laughs> we need more. <laughs> more, more, more. Okay, cool. Well, um, we're out of time again. Um, thanks for listening, as per usual. Uh, we're getting close to the end of this particular run now, so things are going to start getting different at some point soon. Um, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Let's Tardis Talk. Join us next week for a monumental change, as for the first time in the show's history, we welcome aboard Jodie Whittaker as the first female incarnation of the Doctor, where we'll be reviewing the Ghost Monument. But for now, it's a bye from us.